tonight is baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, so you can go ahead and hit it, guy. We're going to be talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last couple of weeks have been uh, have been awesome, and tonight we're going to go through a lot of information. And so uh, that's why the finishing the book and doing the workbook is so important because if I don't talk about something or whoever's teaching doesn't talk about it, uh, it it's all in here. And so this is the longest session of homework, so if you barely made it through, you can do the rest of them, no problem, because uh, this is probably the, one of the longest sections that we'll have for a one-week uh, assignment. So let's go ahead and uh, open in prayer, if you join me. Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for the Word of God, and we thank you for the truth of what you are speaking to us and, and showing us and revealing to us. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to bring revelation, to draw us closer to you, to uh, show us new things, to, to challenge us, to instruct us, to enlighten us, to free us, to lead us into all truth. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, basically, these first three weeks are, are great because I think these three... Uh, these three things are something every believer had in the book of Acts in, in the Bible. Uh, they got saved. They, they, were, they had salvation, faith, and repentance in Jesus. Uh, they were water baptized, which we talked about last week. And they were then baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes out of order, so to speak. I mean, there was not always one, two, three. Salvation was always first. <laughs> And then sometimes baptism in the Holy Spirit and then water baptism, sometimes water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. But to me, these are like the three essentials of, of a believer because every single believer had this in, in the New Testament. And so it was kind of like it all happened at once usually. It was all kind of a, a package deal. You got saved, let's baptize you. Hey, what else? Um, you know, I, was, I, I heard a story, one quick story. <laughs> I don't have time for stories. <laughs> so um, I was listening to this guy as a missionary in um, Cambodia. And they have seen all kinds of miracles. They've, they've seen God just do some amazing things. They went there and there were hardly any four-score churches. And now there's, there's over a thousand. And there had been no orphanages. And now there's hundreds and hundreds, close to a thousand orphanages. These orphans are being raised up. Some of them now have been there long enough. They're becoming pastors. And they go to some other place. And they start a church. And they're seeing just amazing stuff. And there was one island off of uh, Cambodia where they're trying to reach people. And so there was, there was this witch doctor controlling the island, kind of a spiritual guy. Um, and uh, he, he kind of had the, this whole island under it, and they'd never heard of Jesus. And so one person wanted, you know, got there and got saved. This lady got saved. And so uh, what immediately happened was her kids started getting sick and all this stuff started to happen. I'm going to skip some of the story. Um, and so her, her one child actually died. And so then the other child was getting sick. And so the missionaries were like, this doesn't look good. The one person that gets saved and goes back to this island, everything's bad is going to happen to them. So we need to send someone there. So uh, the second daughter dies. And so they send someone to show up at the funeral. And so while they're at the funeral, she shows up at the funeral and prays for the young girl, and she comes back to life. She's raised from the dead. And then everybody who was there at the funeral watching said, uh, we want to know about this Jesus. And so what happened was so the, the, the person there told them about Jesus, and they all said, who wants to receive Jesus? And they all 
said yes. And then they're like, what else? And he said, well, there's also water baptism. And so they went down to the, the ocean and they baptized them all in water. And then they came back and they're like, is there anything else? He said, well, yes, there is something else. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so they said, yeah, we want that too. And so let's pray right now. And so a little explanation and then prayed. Every single person fell on the ground under the power of God. And they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so to me, that's the great illustration. I'm sorry? I don't know if that guy got sad. I didn't hear that part of the story. So I hope he did. So... He wasn't in charge of the island anymore, so <laughs> that's all I got to say. So, to me, it's a great illustration of what what God intended. That God wants salvation. God wants us to respond to Him in obedience and water baptism and experience the power and freedom uh, that we talked about last week. And then God also has for us the empowerment and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, I want us to open our Bibles to Luke 24. We're going to read Luke 24. Starting in verse 46. I'm going to read 46 through 49. Anybody want to read that? Mr. Terry? Uh, it doesn't matter, just this is the Bible. That's good enough, yeah. So what, what did Jesus say? Jesus is going to lead the disciples and he's going to be ascended to heaven. And he says this one important thing right before he leaves. He says, I'm going to send what my father promised, but stay in the city uh, until you have been clothed with power from on high. So in other words, wait. You know, So in, in your book, you're talking about, there's talking about waiting for the power and um, that Jesus was commanding them. Look, they'd been with Jesus. They had experienced the miracles. They had seen all kinds of stuff. They had done miracles themselves. They had, they had seen God do something. They'd seen Jesus die. They'd seen him come back to life. But Jesus said there's still something else they needed. He said, you still have to wait. You're still going to have to be wait to be clothed with power uh, from on high. And so, you know, they... as you know, they, they do do that waiting. In Acts 1.8, it says this, if you want to turn to Acts 1.8. Acts 1 and verse 8. This is like the, the spirit-filled verse of, of, the, of the century, right? You know, we've all, we've all heard this one if you've been in church before, uh, spirit-filled church. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so... Jesus is there saying again, hey, here's what's going to happen 
when you receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power. And here's the deal. If the 12 apostles, well, the 11 apostles needed to receive power, then I think we do too. You know, if the, and they were with Jesus. Like I said, they had seen all kinds of stuff. They were, they were direct witnesses of Jesus being raised from the dead. And with all that, they'd sat with Jesus for three years. They'd lived with Jesus. They'd been with him 24-7 for three straight years. And yet Jesus said, it's still not enough. You still have to wait because you're going to receive power. And then you're going to be my witnesses. And... I love what it says in, in, uh, in the book here on 32, so I'm going to read it. It says, it's right under number 5 on page 32. It says, notice that the empowering of the Holy Spirit produces the ability to be a witness. That is, it gives us the ability to live the Christian life and imparts the power to preach the gospel. The disciples had seen Jesus crucified, dead, and buried. They walked and talked with the resurrected Christ. They watched Jesus ascend into heaven and had talked to the angels who attended him. Who wouldn't want to go and tell everyone the good news? But surprisingly, Jesus told them not to go and preach, but to wait. It was important for them to first be baptized in the Holy Spirit in fire so they would have the power to be a witness. And so as I was praying, even before I read that section in the book, I felt like the Lord just stirred my heart about the word witness. You know, because sometimes if you've grown up in church a lot, you think the word witness is just, hey, when you're sharing about Jesus, when, hey, you're telling someone about Jesus, and it absolutely is. But here's the deal. A changed life is a witness. When, when, when he said the Holy Spirit's going to come into your life, it was going to be not, you're just going to have words to say. No, your life's going to change. You're, you're, going to be a, you're going to be different. There's going to be things where people are going to see something in you where you're not the same person anymore. How did, how did that happen? You know, and so I, I believe, you know, that's the witness. It's not just, hey, suddenly I need that when I'm witnessing. Sure, sure, I need, I need the Holy Spirit when I'm witnessing, but my life is a witness. And so the, this is about the power to change our lives. Because we all need change. We all, we all need to be changed. And so we're going to look at just a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit, there, there, is, there is three main symbols that, that are used for the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. Number one is wind. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, the word in Hebrew is for spirit is ruach. Ruach HaKadesh, in other words, the Holy Spirit. That's Hebrew. It's about the only Hebrew words I know. And uh, uh, Ruach, ultimately, if you boil it down, kind of meant just breath or wind. And so that was in the actual Hebrew word when it was speaking of the, the Spirit in the Old Testament. So there's wind. Number two, this is not in your book. This is totally free. Uh, fire. The presence of God was always related to... Uh, fire think about the israelites in the wilderness they were led by the pillar of fire you got elijah on the mountain you know the fire comes down you got the temple where they kept the fire lit all the time they're supposed to keep the lamp burning so that was a sign of the presence of god and uh, number three is water and so let's look at uh, john 7 37 through 39 um, this is from the the idea that Jesus, is, that Jesus would send the Spirit who is the living water. It's uh, John 7, verse 37. It says, uh, On the last and most important day of the festival, 
uh, Jesus stood up and shouted. I, don't you notice that he shouted? It didn't say he, he, he said it. Like he was, he was proclaiming this. This was a loud deal. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Have faith in me and you will have streams or rivers or life-giving water flowing from deep inside of you just as the scriptures say. Verse 39 says, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone that had faith in him. So one of the one of the pictures of who the Holy Spirit is, is living water. When Jesus met the woman at the well, Jesus said, hey, uh, do you want some water where you won't get thirsty again? And she's like, yeah, I'm getting tired of coming to get water. I'm getting tired of filling up these water bottles all the time. I'm talking about my wife to this the other day. I was getting tired of filling up our water bottles at home. I'm thinking, maybe we should buy an RO unit, you know, where we just have the water all the time. And she said, well, that saved money. And then we calculated it out. We said, well, in like five years. <laughs> so she was like, I, need, I, need, I come here all the time. They had to draw water all the time from the wells. And so Jesus says, I've got some water where you're not going to get thirsty again. Now, was Jesus talking? He wasn't talking about the physical water. He was talking about the Holy Spirit, because there'd be a thirst quenched in our lives that can only be quenched by the Holy Spirit. If once you drink of this water, you're not going to get thirsty again. There's going to be something where you're not missing it anymore, where you don't need that anymore. You have what you need. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He, meet, he meets what our needs. He satisfies our thirst forever. And it also says in another scripture there that... Um, There'll be a spring of water in us. In John 4, um, I believe it's John 4. I, I don't have it written on this page. I think I'm skipping ahead. But it says we'll have a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And so there's that picture of, of water and the living water. that The Holy Spirit is this, is this living water. And so to receive the, the rivers of living water, Jesus says, hey, there's two things we have to do. We have to come believing and we have to ask. There's faith and, and asking. And so another picture in the Old Testament, there's a beautiful picture of, of, of a river and of the water flowing. It's Ezekiel 47, uh, and it says, wherever this water flows, in verse, I'm just going to read it, you don't have to turn there. Wherever this water flows, there will be all kinds of animals and fish because it will bring life and fresh water to the Dead Sea. From Engedi to Iniglium, people will fish in the sea and dry their nets along the coast. There will be as many kinds of fish uh, in the Dead Sea as there are in the Mediterranean Sea. That's like a miraculous thing that he's talking about right there, because there's nothing in the Dead Sea. <laughs> so there's, there's life where there was no life. But the marshes along the shore will remain salty so that people can use the salt from them. Fruit trees will go, grow along this river and produce fresh fruit every month. The leaves will never dry out because they will always have water from the stream that flows where? From the temple. And they will be used for the healing of the nations. And so notice there's this, there's this picture of the Spirit. Where is, where is the Spirit flowing from? The temple. Because that's, that's, that's going to be important here in just a second. The the water flows from the temple. Wherever the water flows, there's life. Where there's a dead sea, there's miraculous things that happen. There's suddenly life. There's lots of life. And you'll notice there's healing. There's, it says there's going to be healing to the nations. There's going to be things released. So part of, the, part of God's plan to bring redemption, to bring life, to bring, to bring life in the midst of death is the power of the Holy Spirit. What does Paul later say in the New Testament? He says, hey, guess what? Now you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, the temple was a building, 
in the, in the new covenant, after Jesus, the temple is a person. So now you and I are the temples. We're, we're the dwelling place of God. People don't have to go to a place anymore to meet with God. They get to go experience a person. And the person they get to experience is you and me. They're not going to run into Jesus anymore because Jesus says, it's better that I go away so I can send you the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said, look, I can, if I'm in a body, I can only be in one place. But if I leave and send all of my people the Holy Spirit, I can be everywhere. I can touch lives all at once and they can see a physical person. Can God be anywhere right now? Absolutely, sure. Uh, so another great picture, picture is uh, in Revelation. At the end of the Bible, the very last chapter of the Bible, uh, there's uh, Revelation 22, it says, The angel showed me a river that was crystal clear and its waters gave life. The river came from the throne where God and the Lamb were seated. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. So there's, there's the throne of God and Jesus is sitting there next to him. Then it flowed down the middle of the city's main street. On each side of the river are trees that grow a different kind of fruit each month. And so notice there's the miraculous on the trees right there. It's not natural to grow a different kind of fruit each month. So in other words, there's extreme fruitfulness. There's extreme blessing. The fruit gives lives and the leaves are used as medicine to heal the nations. Uh, God's curse will no longer be on the people of that city, he and the Lamb will be seated there on the thrones, and his people will worship God. And, you know, so the Holy Spirit allows us to reach the nations with God's power, healing, and a servant's heart. And so um, that's part of the, the picture, the, 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 the symbolism that's being used about who the Holy Spirit is and the, and the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the life of, of a believer in Jesus. And so we talk a little bit about the manifest presence of God because we have to understand there, there's a difference between God's uh, presence everywhere and God's manifest presence. In the Old Testament, uh, you know, God is omnipresent, right? We, uh, that means that he's everywhere. So we can say no matter where I am, God's there. But God's manifest presence is not everywhere. In other words, where there is a tangible experience of the, his, his spirit in the natural for us to experience in, in our physical bodies or in our physical location. And so in the Old Testament, where was the manifest presence of God? The temple in the Holy of Holies. And so, I mean, you see how this... this, this Beautiful pictures being woven throughout the scripture of, of God dwelling in his temple. And think about all, if you read the Old Testament, there's so much amazing stuff that happens inside the temple. And as Katie said, the, the, manif- the very presence of God was, was only in one place of the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And the high priest could only go there once a year. So only one person, one time a year was experiencing the manifest presence of God. Now, there was, there was some other manifestations where the Holy Spirit would come upon people, like upon David or upon Samson. And so that was kind of a form of the manifest presence of God, but it wasn't quite the same thing. It was a picture. It was kind of a, a foreshadowing of what it meant to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And now, of course, through Jesus, through the New Covenant, again, as you know, if you read in Corinthians, there's two separate scriptures in Corinthians. One is in chapter 3, and that says, you all 
are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the other is in, I don't remember what chapter, um, five or six, I believe, and it says you individually. So there's a, sen- there's a sense where the people of God are the temple and also just you as an individual are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we get the picture of all the stuff that happens in the temple in the Old Testament, all the, all the, all the amazing things, all the, all the, all the worship, all the, all the joy, all the celebration, all the release of, of, of God's blessing is now being released in, in me as the temple through the Holy Spirit. And it says, um, through Jesus, a new covenant was made between God and man. This covenant destroyed the power of sin, forever allowing God to once again dwell with and in man. Uh, turn to John 14. John 14. Man, I can see why Dave says you can't. This one really is. You pack in a lot. So if I don't get to it all, that's why you have to do your homework, right? Um, John 14 and uh, verse 16. And this is Jesus talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. And so there is Jesus giving the promise to the disciples. They still didn't have the Holy Spirit in them yet. They had not received the Holy Spirit. He was with them. You know, when they were, got sent out to 72 to do all the miracles, the Holy Spirit was with them and came upon them, but He was not in them yet. And that's why Jesus was saying, you got to wait because you need Him inside of you. You need Him inside so the change comes from the, from the inside out. So it's not the outside affecting the in. It's what's happening is going to come from within you. In other words, there's that picture, the, the rivers of living water. We don't have this water flowing all around you. You want water flowing from within you. And so Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to all of us who know and follow Him. He is for everyone. So um, where, does the bap- where does the manifest presence of God now reside? Say your own name. Where, that's where the manifest presence of God now dwells. Inside every believer in, in the Lord Jesus Christ through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit... Uh, Allow does set many things for us. We're going to highlight a few here. The Holy Spirit provides the following leadership for us. Number one, He guides us into all truth. John sixteen thirteen says, The Holy Spirit will lead you or guide you into all truth. In other words, if you need to know what's true, you need the Holy Spirit. You're, you may not get there on your own. And so you, you need the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. Number, number two... Um, it says the Holy Spirit tells us of things to come. So there's what we'll talk about later, prophecy and, and visions and dreams and God just, just speaking to you. Uh, he'll tell you things that are come. Some of them are for you personally. Some of them might be for the community, your family. Might be for the bigger community, the church you're a part of. And so he, he wants to let us know what's going on, that we're not, we're not surprised. Uh, he wants to lead us into truth. He wants to tell us what's to come. He is also going to give us instructions and direction. He's going to be our teacher, 1 John 2.27, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us. And um, 
Romans 5, 5 says the Holy Spirit also fills us with God's love. In other words, how we experience God's love is through the Holy Spirit being poured out in our hearts. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Holy Spirit makes us more and more like Jesus. Because we can't do that on our own. You know, because we're meant to, you know, Jesus wanted his representatives. He wanted people to look like him. That's why he went away. He said, I want a lot of people that look like me and do the things I do. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. To, number one, make us look like Jesus. In other words, change us on the inside and empower us to do the things that Jesus did. You know, in John 14, it says, hey, Jesus says, hey, you're going to do greater things than me. How is that even possible? Jesus did so many things. But Jesus said it's true. You're going to, be great. You're going to do greater things. Greater in quantity, for sure. There, there's more, more things going on because Jesus, in the flesh, is not on earth anymore. He's in us through the, His Spirit, through the Spirit of God, uh, minist- doing His ministry. And so, no matter how hard we try, I can't do that on my own. And so, I can't, uh, I can't work that up. Uh, I, need, I need some power. I need some, something outside of myself to make this happen. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. This is, this is like plugging in the, the, the power strip. You know? This is like plugging yourself into, into, the, into the wall. And so um, there's some of us that, that we need that. And you know what? Here's the deal. It's not just a one-time deal. It's not supposed to be just a one-time deal where... Yeah, I experienced and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. In the book of Corinthians, it says, hey, be filled. In other words, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. Did I, what book did I say? That's Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 18 and 19. So, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, um, what does the Holy Spirit empower us to do? Uh, there's, here's here's some, some things that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. Uh, number one is determine the truth. Because he's leading us into all truth, he's going to show us truth as well. He's going to show us uh, what things are true and what things are, are false. Be able to, Discernment and wisdom will be released to us through the Holy Spirit. Because God doesn't want his children deceived. You know, God, God's plan is not for us to be deceived. God's plan is for us to walk in, in understanding. He wants us to walk in truth and understanding what is true and what's not true. And so confusion, you know, confusion, that means that's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, uncertainty, not the Holy Spirit. Fear, not the Holy Spirit. Doubt, not the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be sure of the truth and recognize what's going on, to have that uh, recognition. Uh, number two, he helps us be taught about God's kingdom from God himself. The Holy Spirit himself is God. He's not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not, he's not just a power. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is God Himself. Don't ever call the Holy Spirit it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Just be, And again, I'm not saying you go to hell if you do that. You won't. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to hit you. No. Um, <clears throat> that's, kind of, that's one of my little things is when I hear people talk about the Holy Spirit and they say it, I'm like, no, no. He's not, he's not meant to be just a force to... To fill us up with, he's not electricity. He he he's like you know he he's the one giving us the power. It's a, it's a, it's meant to be a relationship, and so one of the things he does. But God Himself teaches us about God, the best one. In First Corinthians two, what does it say? Hey, the Holy Spirit 
reveals all the stuff that God has freely given us. But we can only understand it because only the Spirit, only the mind of the, the, only the Spirit knows the mind of God and can reveal His thoughts to us, can reveal what He's thinking. And so we get Himself in us to be taught about God's kingdom. Number three, to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus. Uh, Jesus said that it won't be us who speaks, but the Spirit of our Father speaking through us. You know, we've got these pictures of, of the disciples um, and the apostles in, in, the, in the New Testament. Something happened after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter is a great example. Peter, right before Jesus died, what is Peter doing? He is denying that he even knows Jesus. I mean, he's so scared that he's with a group of people that he doesn't know from Adam, and they're like, Man, you look like you're with Jesus. No, 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 no. I mean, it's not, it's not even peer pressure. We're talking about total stranger pressure. You know, these people did not know him. Sure, there's a little bit of fear. Maybe he's going to get thrown in and get killed too. But, you know, uh, probably wasn't likely. You can get over that, right? So, you know, but three times it says that, and, you know, one of them's like the little servant girl comes in. I'm not dogging on servant girls, but, I mean, she probably wasn't very intimidating, I mean, in their society, I mean, that was like a pretty lowly person. And, and she was a woman back then, which unfortunately they hadn't realized the revelation of who God created women to be. And so, you know, the view was down here, but even the little servant girl comes up to Peter and he's like, no, 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 I don't know him. <laughs> but after Peter is baptized in the Holy Spirit, suddenly he's not scared of anything. He's got boldness. He, you know, they throw him in prison, and he doesn't like. Please let me out. I don't know Jesus. I, I promise, I'll never do, talk about him again. No, they say you stop talking about. Him. He says, "Well, you better ask God about that because I'm not going to stop talking about him. We're going to obey God." And then they then they had a celebration because they got they got they got tortured for Jesus. Something happened to Peter. What happened to him was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says this. This is about the Apostle Paul. It says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul understood that doctrine and principle without the power of God is useless. Jesus was our example as well about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I think this verse is huge. Let's turn to Acts 10 and verse 38. If this doesn't convince us, nothing will. Acts 10 and verse 38. Ronnie Maven, you got it? So it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with who? The Holy Spirit. Look, here's the deal. If Jesus had to be anointed and baptized in the Holy Spirit, then I certainly need that. I mean, we can maybe talk away the apostles. We can talk away someone else in the Bible. But here is Jesus himself, God in the flesh, demonstrating that he didn't do the things he did because he was Jesus He did the things he did because he was anointed with power 
from the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. What did it say he did? He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so in Luke 4, Jesus said, you know, when Jesus starts his ministry, what has happened in Luke 4? This is from Luke 4, excuse me. Right before Jesus starts his ministry, he says, um, he's baptized. He's baptized in water. And what does it say happens? It says, heaven opens up and the, and the Spirit of God came down him like a dove. Then after that, Jesus does miracles. You know, there was a movie out recently that showed Jesus doing miracles as a child. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Jesus did no miracles till he was 30 years old, till after he was baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. All he did was make tables and chairs and stay in the temple one day and get his parents mad at him. So then after that, it says Jesus is tested in the desert for 40 days. He goes without food and he's tempted by the devil. He resists that temptation. And then it says he comes out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he stands up in the synagogue, the the local synagogue there in Galilee, and says, he reads from Isaiah 61 and says, today the scripture is fulfilled in you. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to return sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed. And so that was the ministry of Jesus. And that ministry happened through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so we have the same ministry. We have the same ministry as Jesus. We don't need to, you know, that's a good five-fold ministry right there. Preaching the gospel, healing the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives, helping people get free, returning sight to the blind. I think that could apply physically and spiritually uh, to set free those who are oppressed. Man, if we were doing that kind of stuff, that that's going to that's gonna get some people's attention when we're doing that. And so that's what God wants us to do. And the way Jesus did that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the same way we're going to do it. So what happened when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was first released uh, is in Acts chapter 2. Whew. Am I talking fast enough for you? I, don't know, I just love that scripture in Acts 10, though, where it says that, you know, that Jesus was anointed and went around doing good. You know, Jesus needed the power. And so I need the power, too. So in Acts chapter 2, it was the day of Pentecost. There were approximately 120 believers in the upper room. And they say in this book of the temple, I never heard that before. I can't dis- dispute that. But that was an interesting, interesting fact. Continually praising God in unity. Uh, and it says this in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So there's, it's not wind, there was no wind, it was the sound of wind. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together because wonder in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these men from Galilee? Then how are, 
we hearing them are in our own native language. And so they list all the places they were from. And it says they were amazed and perplexed. And they said, what, what does this mean? And so when the Holy Spirit came, uh, what, what do we have happening? What happens when the Holy Spirit comes? Number one, yes, power. Uh, first, there's a sound of wind. So, hey, think about the, the disciples would have, would have thought, most likely, wind and the Spirit. Okay? And Jesus had been telling them, he says, look, in Matthew 3, John the Baptist said, hey, look, there's someone coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus says, hey, you're going to stay, you're going to be clothed with power from on high, you'll receive the baptism of the Holy, you know, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So they, there, was, there, was, there was some knowledge of what was going to happen. They were waiting, they knew they were waiting for something to happen. The Holy Spirit was going to come. They didn't know how He would come or what it would look like, but they, they knew something. And so when they hear the wind, I, I got to think that some of them were like, breath of God, breath of God. Wind. They're thinking the presence of God, the Holy, the, the Spirit of God. Then it says fiery tongues appeared and settled on each person. Then they're thinking fire, fire, presence of God, fire, presence of God. And then it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then all the nations were drawn there because what is the purpose? Hey, to be a witness. They, Jesus needed a jump start witness. That's why he, he said we're going to have a birth of a church right here. We're going to have a birth of a group of people. We got 120, and, and that day it says there are about 3,000 that were added, that, that believed in Jesus and were, and were baptized. And so what also happened also is, is the Holy Spirit empowered Peter preach, to preach the revelation of Jesus to the growing crowd. You know, Peter stands up and says, hey, this is from the book of Joel. God's been talking about this forever. You got to understand that Peter didn't like have, have his notes ready. He hadn't been praying all week saying, I know on Saturday I'm going to give a sermon, and so I better get ready, and I better have a bunch of notes. You know, I've got seven pages of notes here for you tonight, and we're on page three. Um, so, but they're from Dave. <laughs> so I can skip him if I want to because he's in the nursery. Thank him for that later. Uh, you with small children, I will. And so Peter wasn't, Peter didn't have a sermon prepared. I mean, he wasn't thinking. He wasn't like, I better check up on the prophecies in Joel and be ready. No, once he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he knew what to say. He knew what, he interpreted what was happening. He had recognition. He had revelation about what God was doing. It's like he knew, I'm, I know I'm waiting for something, maybe the Holy Spirit. And God, Jesus said I'd be clothed with power. And then after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he has clarity. He's like thinking of all these scriptures. All this truth comes into him all at once. The baptism of the Holy Spirit just releases the truth of God. I believe opens up the Word of God in new ways to us, where we are suddenly have the revelation where truth is coming to us when we need it. And so Peter preaches and says, "Hey, this is what was promised. You know, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You know, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. It might be reverse. I might be switching them around, but it's, you get the idea. Things are going to happen. There's going to be amazing stuff that happens. And so it's amazing that immediately." After Peter experiences the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we see a change in him. And we see the work and the effect and the power of the Holy Spirit released. 
not only was he understanding, but then he was able to proclaim and share the message where it was understood and it had power to draw people to Jesus. Because that's what we need. I need something when I speak, when I share with someone, when I pray with someone, when I love someone, when I give a kind word, I don't want it to just be a kind word. I don't want it to just be a scripture. I'm saying I want them drawn. I want something to grab a hold of them. I want truth to open up and explode in their hearts where they're drawn in and say, I I want this too. And that's what happened. Now when Peter talked, it had power. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about, they talked in the book there a little bit about tongues of fire. Um, You know, tongues of fire represent several things in Scripture. Number one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's from Matthew chapter 3 where John the Baptist said, He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Uh, in the book of Jeremiah, it's, it talks about uh, there's a powerful fire, like God's, God's presence coming as a fire and, the, and acts as a hammer that shatters rocks. His word shatters stuff. In other words, there's going to be power upon His words when they're spoken. Uh, it divides people from their sin, bringing repentance and restoration. So there's also this idea of like a... Uh, a purifying fire, uh, a refiner's fire, uh, like a metal worker, you know, ra- you know, having impurities come to the top and the fire burns out all the stuff. So there's, there's all that picture. But I think one of the hugest pictures, which is not in the study, um, in, in the book at least, in, in this section, is that I believe they would have recognized when the tongues of fire, when the pillars of fire, really that's... When we say tongues of fire, we're like, what in the world is that? Just think like a little little pillar of fire that rested on each of their heads. Flame. That's pretty cool, man. It would be awesome. Okay. (laughs) That's what happened. (laughs) Right, Ronnie? That happened? It's the fire. fire, We asked for the fire of God. He says, you got it. (laughs) But I think immediately they would have thought, oh, the fire is on all of us now. Because they looked around and... Every single person had the fire over them. In the Old Testament, their fire was just in one place. And so here, there was this, there was, I think the tongues of fire, part of that was to show, hey, boom, God's, God's presence and power is spread out among all His people. So the, the, the fire there, uh, you know, is that picture of the fire. And so then there's also this idea of, you know, God, God touching our minds, you know, that, that God uh, gives us the, the knowledge of his will. Uh, in other words, you know, in, uh, where is that? It's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, uh, where it talks about uh, the Holy Spirit comes and reveals things to us. And at the end of that scripture, uh, that chapter, it says, you have the mind of Christ. In other words, you know, that one of the things the Holy Spirit does is changes the way we think. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep will begin to, my sheep will hear my voice. Uh, How we hear the voice of God? Through the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit is the one that allows us to clearly hear and desire to obey the will of God. Um, I'll read 42 here. I circled this and I I just skipped it on on the purifying. I think this is really... Really key. Um, This is page 42, right under the purifying work. The fire of the Holy Spirit also represents the cleansing and purifying work of the Spirit in the lives of believers. When we are born again, we receive a brand new nature. 
Old things are passed away and all things become new. We don't have two natures, as some people still teach today. We don't have two natures. You don't have a sin nature anymore. We don't have two natures, an old one and a new one, competing against each other. That's not the new covenant. That's the old covenant where there's an old nature. We have a new nature like His glorious nature. Sin no longer dwells in us. However, we have a mind that has been shaped and molded by sin. And we have old ways of thinking and habits of acting that do not glorify God and need to be transformed to become Christ-like. So that's where we see they're like, man, if I don't have sin in me, where's all this garbage coming from? Well, it's, it's, we still do have our, our thought patterns. We still do have uh, our emotions have been, have been twisted a certain way. And so God begins to work this purifying work where we're changed from the inside out. And so there's, there's so much that the Holy Spirit does. I mean, that's just a, a great overview right there. Um, you could really go, go on and on, I believe. And so I encourage you, I really encourage you to go, go through your books. I mean, this is just great stuff. To, I finally got my book this past week because I gave mine out. And so to, to actually go through it and, and do the work this week, you know, there's, there's some great stuff in here. Don't rush through it. Take the time. Uh, I think God's going to honor each and every one of us for setting aside that 30 minutes a day or whatever it takes you, you know, some weeks will be more than others, but where you just say, no, nope, I'm not going to do this or that. I'm, I'm going to set aside time to be in the Word of God. And I think God's going to really honor that. You know, we're, we're taking this time to say, I want this foundation in my life. So, um, now we want to talk about how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Um, Dave wasn't kidding. Um, <clears throat> so how to receive the Holy, the Holy Spirit baptism, there's, there's just a few keys that I think are important that are, that are in, this, in, the, in the study here. Number one is a heart of faith, unity, and praise. That's what they had in Acts 2. They had unity. They had an atmosphere of faith. Uh, they were worshiping God. And so that's, that's one of the ways to receive uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just being in that atmosphere. How to receive the Holy Spirit through obedient and anointed preaching and teaching. In, excuse me, in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter's preaching and it says the Holy Spirit falls on the, on the Gentiles and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit just as they were in Acts 2. Uh, they didn't even have an altar call. They didn't do anything. It just happened while he was sharing the truth. And so sometimes that can happen. That's one of the ways to, to be uh, J.D. Uh, Crawford uh, used to always say what, one of the things he would do is just have somebody read Acts 2. Right, Paul? And so he would, he would say, here, start reading in Acts 2. And a lot of times when the person would read and get to, and they all spoke in tongues, that person would begin to speak in tongues. They'd get baptized in the Holy Spirit just by reading the Word of God. It was the anointed truth being spoken by their own mouth, and God just touched them. They had faith. They were ready. They were expecting. Uh, number three is through the laying on of hands. Uh, it talks about, you know, that... Placing, you know, someone who's already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's some kind of impartation. That's why we, one of the reasons we lay hands. It says, you know, they came down in Acts chapter 8 and it says they laid hands on them and then they received the Holy Spirit. And uh, so that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, How to receive the Holy Spirit? Number four is ask. Very simple one. Jesus said in Luke 11, um, if you, you know, if a son asks for a bread... 
will he give him a stone or a snake or will he give him something bad basically no if you're you're evil and you even know how to give your kids good gifts how much more will the father give the holy spirit to those who ask him and so that those are the four ways in scripture where the baptism of the holy spirit is, is received the Heart of faith, unity, and praise, obedient, preach, obedient and anointed preaching and teaching, the laying on of hands, and simply by asking. And so there were several signs. Here's the signs that happened when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Number one is speaking in tongues. Number two is prophecy. Acts chapter 19, it says they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Uh, number three is holiness. In other words, a changed life. That's from Ezekiel 36 where God says, I'll give you a new heart. Uh, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Uh, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk and, in my statutes. And then in, in uh, Mark 16, uh, it, says, it says the Holy Spirit empowers us to take authority over demons and the forces of darkness, to live absent of fear, take up serpents. We're not supposed to actually literally handle snakes. Uh, that's talking about uh, not being afraid of what comes against us. We're not a snake-handling church. Unless we have to. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'll bring out the fake snake again, Lisa. Um, so we do have some rubber snakes around here that the children's ministry use that you can really scare some people with, just so you know. Um, so be protected from poisons in Mark 16. Um, man, that, that scripture is so good. And then have faith to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And so that's, you know... These signs will follow those who believe. And so there's going to be certain signs where God says, hey, this is going to happen for the life of a believer. How does it happen? Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk a little bit about tongues. Um, Why should we desire a spiritual language? Or in the book, I think it says heavenly language, uh, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, uh, prayer language is, is all kinds of terminology that you may have heard or are hearing for the first time. And so um, one of the reasons is, number one, is many times in life we feel that something is lacking, but we simply don't know what. The Holy Spirit knows what we're in need of, and through our prayer language makes intercession. Romans 8 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us, uh, and it says that he also makes intercession in accordance with the will of God. In other words, praying in your prayer language, you can always be sure that you're 100% in the will of God. When I'm praying in my English, sometimes I'm praying things that just John and God's like, that's fine, thanks for letting me know. Uh, <laughs> right? I mean, thanks Ronnie for checking in on that. Uh, that's not really what I'm thinking about right now. Because, I mean, God's, you know, God wants to do good. And if, if I ask for something that's not good, he's, he's not interested. And so uh, he has no interest in that. He has interest in his good because it's the real good. And so, man, when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, uh, you're always praying the will of God. And the Holy Spirit, it's, um, also, it's just kind of this communication with God, you know, where we can... We can pray directly to God and there's no hindrance, there's no barrier. It's, uh, you know, my wife loves to explain it like this to to the kids and the the young people when she talks about it. It's like when you have a secret language with your friends and only your friends know it. And so you know how to talk to them and they know how to talk to you. And so this is your secret language with God himself, with the Holy Spirit. And so that's part of what the prayer language is with this this intimate communion with God. And so I I believe it, it makes your heart more connected with God because you're, you're sharing a language that he has personally 
given to you. And so uh, another benefit is it says that the Holy, when we pray in the Holy Spirit that we are built up. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says when you pray in, in tongues, you are edifying yourself. Your spirit is being built up. In other words, you're built up spiritually. And so um, as my wa- I'm borrowing my wife's illustration. Trey, can you come up here? Just stand in front of this chair. Just stand in front. Turn around. <laughs> there you go. Okay? So here's the deal. When, when Trey receives his prayer language after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he begins to use it, what happens is Trey's spirit begins to be built up and begin to grow. And now Trey, Trey in the spirit is huge. It doesn't matter what he looks like on the outside. It's what he looks like in the spirit where things are affected spiritually. Thank you. I, I knew I pulled this chair out of here for some reason. Give Trey a hand. All right, good job. So, in other words, when you pr- you're being built up, and you know you're 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 growing spiritually. It's not the only way to grow spiritually. It's one of the ways. If you all you do is pray in tongues, you never check in with the Bible. You know, one of the ways we grow is also growing with the Word of God. One of the ways we grow is being in community with one another, being in relationship with one another. There's all ways that we're built up and we begin to grow, but I don't want to leave out any of them. I don't want to have, you know, be using two, three out of four or two out of three of the ways God says I can, I can grow. I want to be using every single way. Jude 20, Jude 1, there's only one chapter in Jude. Jude 1 verse 20 says, build yourself up by praying in the Spirit. Um, it's even in Ephesians 6, it says at the end, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. It's right there in Ephesians 6 where there's the spiritual warfare, the armor of God, all that stuff. It mentions praying in the Spirit because we need that. We need to be built up. We're in a spiritual battle and we need spiritual tools where we're ready and equipped to face the spiritual challenges uh, that we will face. Whew, Okay. Last one. This is the last session. I think this is in number six. Um, And then we're going to talk a little bit about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I can tell you, number one, first of all, there's plenty of good information about the the gifts of the Spirit. If you'd like to go further, um, I can point you in the direction of some information or some books. Uh, We did do a teaching just a couple years ago on a Sunday uh, where we went through all the gifts, the nine gifts of the Spirit from 1 Corinthians 12. You can still find that online. Um, and it can, those messages can be downloaded. So I'm just really giving you a, an overview. And the book even really just, just hits an overview. Uh, but not only, uh, tongues is not the only gift of the Holy Spirit that's released. There are, are many gifts that, that are talked about in, in the scriptures. And so Peter said, first of all, uh, that the Holy Spirit is, is himself a gift, or Paul, excuse me, it says Peter here, that should say Paul. Paul says in Ephesians 1 and 13 that the, the Holy Spirit is a gift of God promising or guaranteeing us what's to come, our full inheritance. It's the Holy Spirit, uh, as we heard my wife preach on, that, that leads us to understand that we're children of God, that we have been adopted into God's family, that he leads us into a family relationship. And so uh, in Mark 16... Um, let me read that to you. It says, uh, Jesus said, we just referenced this. 
We were talking about the repetition. There is some repetition in this teaching, but some of it's good. Uh, Mark 16, verse 17 and 18 says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly or deadly poison, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And so... It's meant to have the preaching of God's word to be demonstrated with power. And so the way that happens is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so there are nine gifts of the Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are what I like to call the manifestation of the Spirit. Um, number one is the word of wisdom. This is, this is, uh, this is when God brings the how-to in the situation, how to deal with the situation. There's a problem, there's, a, there's, there's a, a solution that's needed, and God brings wisdom how to deal with that. So it's supernatural. It is not just uh, good ideas. This is not just experiential wisdom. This is something that comes straight from God. So one of the gifts of the Spirit is to share that message or that word of wisdom. Number two is the word of knowledge. Um, this is uh, where God reveals something that was not known before that will bring help to someone. A lot of times it has to do with healing, where God will use a word of knowledge, where he'll, he'll highlight a body part. He'll either talk to you about an arm, or he'll give you a pain in your arm, or you'll feel a sensation in your arm, and you'll know, hey, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's the gift of the word of knowledge. Sometimes it's just knowing something that you had no way of knowing, where you'll meet someone and God will just tell you something about them and say, man, God told me right now that I need to pray for your son and uh, that he's really in trouble right now. And they're like, how did you know that? Well, it was a word of knowledge. I received from God something that I didn't know. So that's the word of knowledge. Uh, number three is the gift of faith. Um, Holy Spirit gift of faith where you can just believe no matter what. You know, there's nothing going to shake you and you're going to believe God for that, that miracle, that, that breakthrough, that provision, whatever is needed. There's sometimes, we're all called to have faith, but there's times where there's a gift, there's a special gift of faith that comes by the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's the gift, gifts of healing. Uh, is, is another gift. Sometimes there's certain people where God just releases a gift and they just, you know, we're all called to pray for the sick and heal the sick, but there's sometimes where it's just like there's a little bit extra. Or sometimes I've even seen where, you know, you have a certain gifting to pray for certain things. You know, I almost wonder if there's like gifts on churches too because we're like praying for babies and things are happening. And so maybe our gift in healing is to pray for babies in the womb or, or infant children. Let's use the gift. Uh, every time I hear about praying for a baby, I'm believing something's going to happen. You know, I, I, I want to say I believe for everything, but I believe more because God has used us and God has, you know, used us to be a part of that and we've seen it. Um, Greg was just telling me last week, some of you may not remember, we prayed for this baby, baby Josie. Uh, she's now a year old. And she was supposed to have all kinds of problems in the womb. They're, the doctors named off all these, all these things. And we were praying. There's other people praying. Greg and Josie. This is a relative. Your niece, right? So um, his niece. And so they went and pr actually prayed with her in person. And, God, and she was believing God too. And so when she gave birth to that baby... And they did, or they did tests. No, they did tests after that. They kept doing tests and like, wait a second. This baby doesn't have anything wrong with him, her anymore. So, gifts of healing. So there's the gift of miracles. 
miraculous powers, uh, you know, where things happen. This has to do with casting out demons with, you know, I've seen, I've heard of stories of people, you know, calling off weather. Man, we need some miracle workers with the hurricanes and stuff. Or, you know, uh, I, I've heard accounts of people praying and, and talking to tornadoes and them diverting their paths. You know, that's, that's the... That's the gift of miracles right there at work, where there's something supernatural that happens that's not a healing, uh, but, it, but it is supernatural. Uh, the gift of prophecy, um, that's the gift of prophecy is simply just me sharing something from God for someone else. Me sharing a message from God for someone else. Could be one person, could be a group of people. Uh, I'm speaking the word of the Lord in the moment. The discerning of spirits, um, recognizing whether this is the devil, whether this is God, or whether this is just human flesh. That's discernment of spirits. Recognizing where something's coming from. Uh, different kinds of tongues. Uh, various kinds of tongues. It says it in di- different translations. Uh, this, is, this is the public gift. There's a public gift of tongues, and there's a personal gift of tongues. The public gift is where I get up and share something in tongues, and someone else interprets what's said. That's not your prayer language. When you give a public tongue, you're not just sharing your prayer language. You know, we were at our leadership meeting uh, a, week, a week ago or something, Sunday night, and Ronnie started praying over us. And look, when you pray with someone long enough, you recognize their general prayer language, right? You get to know. I've heard Ronnie pray in the Spirit. Ronnie starts praying something different. And then you know what? He starts speaking to. He gave us a word from the Lord. I, think it was, I almost think it was a tongue and interpretation. Uh, maybe, because you were praying something different and then you shared the message. And so uh, that's what happens. So interpretation of tongues is, is the last one because if you've got tongues being shared for a big group, you need it interpreted. Uh, that's what 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is all about, talking about, hey, uh, we're, Paul wasn't against tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all, and I want you all to speak in tongues. So we know Paul wasn't against tongues. He was just he he wanted edification. He wanted people to be built to be built up. And so uh, those are the nine gifts of the Spirit uh, listed in First Corinthians twelve. Um, you can also see there's in First uh, Corinthians twelve at the end, uh, and in Ephesians chapter four, uh, it talks about the varieties of ministries. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it mentions miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. And then in Romans, there's another list of gifts, which in your book is called the effects of the Spirit. And I've heard them called the motivational gifts. I've called, heard them called some different things. Um, but they are the gift of, of service, the gift of exhortation and encouragement, the gift of giving, the gift of leadership, uh, gift of mercy, gift of contributing to the needs of the saints, or um, gift of practicing hospitality, um, mercy uh, there. And so all those things are listed in in. Uh, Romans, where is that? Romans 12. So those are all the, thing, all the gifts and, and effects and ministries that happen, but these happen through the, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, at the end it talks about the fruit of the Spirit too, 
and we don't, we certainly don't have uh, time to go into all that. Uh, but basically, this would be a quick summary. Uh, when you have a tree and it's supposed to be a fruit tree, what do you expect to have out of that fruit tree? The fruit of the kind of tree that it is. So when you plant an apple tree, you expect apples to grow. You don't expect uh, bananas to grow. Do they grow on trees? Okay. So you don't plant an apple tree and expect a banana. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is planted in us. We should expect the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible in Galatians 5 says, here's the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience or long-suffering, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when the Holy Spirit is planted in us, that's what He produces. We don't produce that ourselves. He's going to make that love, more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more goodness, more kindness come out of us. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so... One of the most confusing things, of course, about the that can be confusing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is 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 tongues. And so, first of all, tongues is not weird. Uh, it is different. It is unique. But it's not it's not weird. It's it's different and unique to us because we're so used to things being natural and not spiritual. In other cultures that are more open to spiritual things, when they see something spiritual happen, they see spiritual stuff all the time. So it's not, it's not as strange to them. But the difference between uh, understanding the gift of tongues, there's some really other important stuff. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Tongues, we speak directly to God. When we pray in tongues, our spirit connects directly to God by bypassing the mind and the body. That's a key thing right there. Tongues does not come from your mind. If you're thinking the words and then saying them, that's not tongues. So your mind, they've even done scientific studies where they have people praying tongues. And when they're talking in, in their native language, their language center is going off up here. And then they start praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, and it goes way down to where their language center in their brain is almost not hardly working which is like how can that happen well it's supernatural because you can pray in tongues and be thinking about something else so that's just free i mean that's uh number two speaking in tongues it says we speak mysteries in other words things that cannot be seen in the natural we don't know what we're saying sometimes uh god doesn't always reveal what we're saying but we can know it's good because it's from the holy spirit uh tongues edify the believer we mentioned that one jude 120 uh we also said that when we're praying in tongues that the spirit intercedes that the get that that the our spiritual language sometimes we're praying when you're praying for someone uh sometimes you might you might start to pray and you're like i've never heard that language before have you ever been praying for someone and you've never heard that language? Those of you who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, sometimes it changes because the Holy Spirit is praying something different. And so also, there's singing in the Spirit. The Spirit worships. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 5, that there's singing in the Spirit. When you, you know, if you've ever been in a place, I pray that we get to this, this place uh, in our congregation where, man, when you're in a place and everyone begins to sing in the Spirit, it's awesome. It's, it's not weird. I don't think it, it freaks people out. I, I think it's so beautiful that people are drawn to want more of God. 
And so, um, but here's the deal. Tongues doesn't come from your, from your mind because it comes from your spirit. And so you're not going to be thinking things in your head. The bi- two of the biggest hindrances to baptism in the Holy Spirit are this. Number one, you think too much. That was me. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, when I prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, I was all into thinking it over and trying to figure it out in seventh grade. And I made up a prayer language in my head. And I can still say it now because it was in my mind. And it sounded kind of Hebrewish, and it sounded kind of like what these other people were saying. And so I started saying it. And for years, I would say it. I would say it. But I, there was just something in me that was like, this is just not, this is not quite right. Because it wasn't. And then at some point, when God had my mind totally turned off and I wasn't paying attention, I began to pray in the Spirit, and I don't even know when that was. I don't even remember the first time it really happened. Because I think God just finally said, dude, we're just going to have to, like, you're not going to remember this. Like, (laughs) Another hindrance is unforgiveness. If you have any known grudge or holding something against someone else that's going to hinder the baptism of the holy spirit and the third one is faith that was part of my problem too when i first prayed to receive the baptism of the holy spirit in seventh grade was the fancy preacher guy didn't get to pray for me it was some other girl who looked really young and so i thought oh man i don't know if anything's going to happen and guess what i don't know that anything happened (laughs) because i You've got to have faith. You just believe you're trusting that God will do what He says He will do. Not bad. So I want to, I want to, I'm going to close in prayer, but I also want us to... Um, God, if you could put something, some light, something on, some music on, or some worship soaking or something. Um, but I don't want us to leave tonight without... Um, Praying, for, praying with someone who's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we want to give you that opportunity tonight. May, you know, so tonight is your night. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to grab... We're going we're gonna to have a time where we pray. But also, uh, if you're not being prayed for um, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think it would be awesome for us just to pray together where we are. Um, and pray with one another and say, Holy Spirit, open up me more to truth. Lead me into truth. Open the scriptures to me. Maybe there's something about the, the teaching here when you've been doing your homework. Maybe it wasn't even tonight. Maybe it was when you were reading the scriptures on your own where you're just like, Lord, I need, I need more of this. Please release that in me. Because there, it's, it's a growth. It's a, it's a process where God is, is filling us and changing us. And so, um, if you're not being prayed for, but I'd like, uh, I'd like uh, Greg and Josie and Ronnie and Carlene, and if there's anybody else who wants to pray with people, who wants to pray with people for baptism of the Holy Spirit? If you're willing to pray with someone, Besides elders. I'm just assuming elders are ready. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll raise my hand. So, whoever here wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you come to them too, or them too, or come to me. And if there's extra, then we'll get the overflow group going. So, um, let me pray. And if you...
let's just say, is, it, is there anybody? Well, who, 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 needs, who needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight? It says, I want to do that right now. Anybody? There's one. There's two. Anybody else? Well, that's great. So, right there at your table, Ronnie, you guys can, can pray with her. Um, you want to pray at your table? Greg, you can join them if you... All the rest of the tables, you all just pray pray amongst yourselves and pray that God would, would touch each of you uh, and pray as the Spirit leads you. The Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence here tonight. We welcome you to move among us now for just a few minutes, God. And, and uh, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the truth. We just invite you right now to come and have your way in our hearts. Have your open us up to what, what you need us to be open to, uh, Lord, and help lead us as we pray, Lord. We just pray for just anointed prayer going on right now, prayer that is straight from heaven. Lord, we need prayers prayed that are not prayers from us. We need prayers prayed straight from heaven. And we just pray for a fresh filling in all of our lives right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are moving in us. We thank you for the fire. We thank you for the living water. We thank you for the wind, the breath of God being released right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, every barrier that was standing in the way, we come against that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and, go ahead and you, you all can pray, pray with one another.